0: Welcome to episode 145 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there, my little sausage of joy.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing what, mate? I'm having a cracking week. Absolutely fantastic. I'm a nerd, and this week I've been able to nerd out to my heart's content. Uh, EA and their Infinite Wisdom have re-released the uh, Mass Effect trilogy, the originals, and I've been playing them like crazy to the point that I've broken my neck somehow playing them. It's so fun to go back to a game. And do you know what? When you go back to a game or you go back to a film, you go back to a TV series, like it's a comfort blanket. I knew everything. I hadn't played the first game for ages. And there's a little mission where you got to go, find 20 different things. And do you know what, mate? I instantly knew exactly where they were. It's, it's a comfort blanket and I felt warm.
0: I've never had an injury from a video game.
1: Yeah, you have. Everyone has. Like sleeping foot.
0: No, I'm, I'm you're knocking figure.
1: out the Uncharted, maybe you pull the thumb.
0: I did like the Uncharted games, mate. I used to be a big gamer, but I don't I don't have the time anymore, unfortunately. I do love gaming, though, so... I,
1: I absolutely... I really enjoyed slipping back into a comfy pair of old shoes and having fun with Commander Shepard and Garrus, who might be the best side character in the history of games.
0: And what's this, Mass Effect? Mass Effect. I think I played one once. It's
1: a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi. It's me all over. It's a celebration of everything that's ridiculous. Mm. Star Wars, Star Trek. It builds... It's, it's one of the best games or fictional worlds I should say that builds its story so well very quickly
0: Favourite game? Yes Favourite ever game?
1: Uh, yeah but the, the universe is my favourite universe in it because I, I'm I was, I loved the first game so much that I then got into the books and the comic books and I my next time was a Mass Effect tattoo I everything I just adore Mass Effect
0: That's cool I, I, I don't know what I would say is my favourite Growing up certainly Resident Evil was maybe at the forefront
1: But have you seen what they're doing with those games now? They've gone back to kind of like the beginning they're all horror based they're not like Infinite Ammo there's like creepy, you're in a house and that that tall uh, lady in a top hat is chasing mm. her. It looks terrifying.
0: Yeah. There seems to be a real first for that lady on the internet at the yeah. moment. Yeah. But yeah, Resident Evil 7 <laughs> was epic for stripping it back and going back to like a horror experience, you know, that was also the game. Yeah. Resident Evil was big in my house, Silent Hills, those kind of things. I didn't really get into sports games like the FIFAs or the rest. No. Of, or or yeah. Actually, I did play wrestling a bit. Um, you can because it's not known so you're allowed to have a bit of fun but storyline games for me you know Epic Quest Uncharted yes. you hit the nail on the head the Battlefront and the Star Wars games recently have been real good fun I just haven't I got time to play anymore yeah, I'm but- playing Army Dead 4 at the moment and I'm literally just playing it on like a Saturday I get about two hours on a Saturday well that's your
1: fault for having responsibilities in an actual life me I've got this podcast Mass Effect and occasionally scratching myself <laughs> occasionally
0: and I like to think this is third in the list of priorities. Yes,
1: dog. I love a good
0: scratch, mate. If this is your first time, welcome. We get around the mics, <laughs>
1: scratch each week to talk
0: about a different movie topic or few within movies. Look, I tell you, what, I'm going to be frank with you. If you are after, you know, a really well recorded, well produced, high, you know, edited, professional sounding podcast, you're probably in the wrong place. Yeah, but you downloaded us by accident, or maybe you've listened to a few shows. I Thank mean- you.
1: Maybe you're John Cena and inexplicably.
0: <laughs> just start following us for some reason. But, um, you know, we do, we do welcome anyone who listens to this show. Thank you so much. If you like it, don't forget to uh, subscribe. You get a new episode every week. And if you really, really like it, leave us a review because it really does help. Tell your friends, share us on social media. That's great. That's the housekeeping sorted. We get around the mic to talk about a different movie talk about theme. Like I was just saying, last week, it was a bit of a redemption uh, trek for us, wasn't it? We kind of went back to movies that we didn't connect with. Uh, first time round or second time round or even third time round and really, really try to find the magic in, you know, so these are films that people love. You know, we weren't looking at like, Adam Sandler movies no. or you know kind of Matthew McConaughey before we True talking, Detective
1: we were talking about the films that we don't like that that everyone else seems to love it. the biggest example for me would obviously be Forrest Gump universally loved by pretty much everyone praised I, Oscar winning you keep saying that some right? would like say mean something. some would
0: say an amazing romp of a you know of, a, of an action adventure and, comedy movie other
1: people would say waste of an of, hour for minutes elements it's,
0: of drama and I, I, yeah just a pillock in a waste of time James <laughs> yeah. did not like Forrest Gump and <laughs> even on the rewatch I, on the other hand, have always had an issue with Labyrinth. Rewatched it, didn't mind it. Maybe I'm maturing. Maybe my style in films and puppets is getting better. I don't know. But, Maybe um,
1: David Bowie's penis doesn't put you off as much now. Because you're so
0: used to, you're desensitised. There's a it. lot of David Bowie's penis in that film. <laughs> and the puppets. So and we established puppets.
1: that You do not like puppets, then.
0: I, I do like puppets. But I just, for some reason, I don't connect with the Jim Henson one, which is really weird because like, that's the one that- The, or the, the group, best that, Yeah, <laughs> and everyone loves. Like, I like Muppets. I like Christmas Carol. I like, you know, Treasure Island. I like those things. I, for some reason, just there's something about- and I was talking about Dark Crystal. There's something about those ones in the 80s that I really didn't connect with them two movies for some reason. I don't know what it was. You're dead inside. Maybe, but I do like puppets. I, I love, you know, like Wes Anderson's kind of stop motion puppet work. I love Coraline. I love all the, you know, the the La, uh, the, the uh, Laika stuff. He is an art form that is dead. I think the stop motion puppetry is amazing. I, I struggle with when I know it's, you know, a, a guy is wrist deep in that puppet behind <laughs> the scenes.
1: That's where I struggle,
0: I think. Sweating, struggling. Yeah. Can't feel his fingers. On his knees. Just, I Be- don't begging know. Begging for it to end. But I actually <laughs> quite enjoyed it the second time, you know, this time around. Yeah. Not Dark Crystal. Still don't know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> anyway, that was last week's show. This week's show, um, catch-up time, because there have been some amazing films out in the last couple of months because of COVID. These have been delayed releases. They're now starting to find an audience. Streaming sites, cinemas are reopening. So this week really is a catch-up on... Some big, big movies. We hinted at this last week. Huge movies. Nomad I mean, land is a big one. Not as big as Predators, but you um, know. Yeah. Again, James, you always throw back to like last week. And if someone didn't listen to last week, they won't know that reference. Why? It's because last week we were supposed to do Nomad Land and James watched Predators instead. And we don't we still don't know why. You gotta explain it. You've got to tell the tale. This could be someone's first podcast, James. It should, shouldn't be. <laughs> so. um, but no, yeah, last week uh, we, we we saved them for this week because James couldn't be asked to watch them. So we're watching. <laughs> we're talking about Nomadland, Promising Young Woman. Um, we're going to look at Tom Clancy's uh, Without Remorse and also available on Netflix now is uh, Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams. So they're four movies and James has told me that in his time off, when he's been recovering from Mass Effect Gaming, you've been watching a few additional films that you might want to throw in I as have, well. For the
1: last few weeks, uh, we've there's been no opportunity to bring them up. Can I just start off with uh, something quite fresh? Okay. It's new. It's on Netflix. It's called Jupiter's Legacy. It's this TV series. I keep hovering on this. Right. So I I don't... No spoilers, because this is a new TV series. Within 20 minutes, you know that Netflix wanted a bit of that, the boys' money. (laughs) They wanted a bit of... It's the perfect example. Um, It is like the boys meets Invincible. Two things that you like. I'm going to tell you now, it's not good, but there's something about it that works. Mm. There is... it's it. Oh, it's from the guy who directed the first series of um, uh, oh, Daredevil. So Stephen S. D. Right, uh, D. Night. So it comes from pedigree. You know, the, you know it, there's something about it, mate. It's, Daredevil season one was epic. It's not. Do you know what? They, it's not great. There's something there though. I've I've got two episodes to watch, and do you know what? I'm not I'm not excited to watch them, but I will watch them. It's got me on a hook, and I don't know why because it is far from good. <laughs>
0: that, that that reminds that screams Gotham to me. Yeah. I was, I was that in Gotham by like season three. I was like, I can't stop now, <laughs> but I'm, I don't know why I keep coming back to it. And there wasn't, there were some characters I was interested in. There were some characters I couldn't stand, you know, there was some characters they introduced at the end where they were like, it's coming to an end, right? Just fucking throw him in Bane. All these other characters just started appearing. Um, but I kind of enjoyed it. It's like, it wasn't a guilty pleasure, but like you say, there was that something about it. that
1: keeps bringing you back and you don't know why. There is very redeeming qualities. Josh Duhamel plays kind of like Superman. The premise is, um, if Superman was your dad, which is essentially what Invincible's touched on, it's more of an adult variety. So it's kind of boys. It's not, it's not good, but mate, I am there.
0: Sounds like Titans that I've started watching. I've not seen Titans. I'm three episodes into that. And again, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I must watch another episode tonight. It's like, well, if I'm going to go to bed, but I've got 40 minutes, I might throw one on. I'll, I'm, I'm in no rush to watch it. I'll just, but again, there's nothing really about it. I'm just kind of interested to see where it goes. Yeah. 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 Strong start. Strong start. Strong well, start. But if you've if listened to movies listeners, TV shows.
1: I would be interested to know what you think. Am I the only one that's on the hook for this weird show? What's it called? Jupiter's Legacy. It
0: worries me. How many episodes? Eight. And and you're you've done six and you you still haven't found it yet.
1: No. Oh, no, I don't think I will. But mm. so, I want to see the ending. I've got loads
0: of ideas for it. Okay. Do you remember *One Division* when everyone had loads of ideas? they turned out to be not true. I've got them. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Should we do a movie. Which one yeah. do you want to do? *Nomadland*. We've got *Promising Young Woman*. We've got *Without Remorse*. We've got *A uh, Woman in the Window*. Um, let's start strong let's go no Man Land. okay we are starting strong bloody hell, Oscar strong. winning um, so we've, we've got to get the audience in early because so far we've not we've not gone well we talked about <laughs> Mass Effect in I've forgotten the name of it already Jupiter right. what?
1: it doesn't matter you, you never slag off Mass Effect I'll walk out mate like, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't slag it off I just said you we talked about it yeah
0: we did um, Nomadland uh, so if you've got Disney app uh, Star you can watch Nomadland uh, at the moment I think it is getting a cinema release now that cinemas are reopening so you may be able to cl- catch it in some of um, uh, select screens and I think it is available to rent on Amazon as well so various places to find it it's obviously a 2020 movie um, directed by Chloe Zhao who it is the next big thing Is that yeah I mean he's going to go on to the Eternals movie next so she, we're going to see her in the Marvel Universe but um, this this you know was a swept the award seasons really across the board come when it comes to the academy awards it took best picture director and actress first asian woman uh, and woman of color to win best director the first time two women have been nominated in the best directors category um so chloe Zhao and um emerald Fen- uh finale we're going to talk about uh, shortly um we're promising a woman First time two directors of East Asian descent have been nominated in the same category. So in that case, uh, Lee Isaac uh, Chung, who did uh, Minari. So a uh, huge, huge monumental film, really.
1: It was a cracking film. A cracking film that explores a, an element of life that you don't know about.
0: So it stars Francis McDermott. Uh, it's got uh, David Straffen in it, who are the only two actors. And everyone else is real. Real people, James. They're not fake, not CGI. But what I mean is they're not actors. They are real nomads living this life that this story tells. Um, The film, in a nutshell, Frances McDermott plays Fern, a woman uh, on a journey of self-discovery, belonging, happiness, and self-content traveling through West America. Fern has lost everything following a 2012 recession and is now living in her van. No Man Land is a drama of a real... Uh, example of life on the roads, the people who make up our communities and a frank, honest journey of the failed American dream.
1: Oh, that's a really nice way of putting it.
0: I, I was going to submit that on something like IMDb as like a, like a kind of synopsis. Oh, well, you should have done. Should have done, but I'm, I, I'm not. I wrote something like she was annoyed as pissed. <laughs> no, the, uh, I'm, I'm James, I'm not having bad talk about this movie. This is Mass Effect to me, this film. This film was perfect. I love this film. This film was brilliant. This film isn't... I'm not going to go away and be like, this is my favourite movie. It's not going to top any of my like favourite movie lists, but I I couldn't fault this movie. I wouldn't want to fault this movie. I enjoyed every second of it.
1: My favourite bits are when uh, Francis McDermott and the other lady are cleaning the toilets and they're just talking. It's like, oh, you don't do this bit. It's like the camera was on them 24-7 and they just picked the best bits. There's a bit where those two characters, again, are, dr- are driving. They're just having fun telling jokes. I don't think it was written anywhere. I think they... It, it's so organic and natural, it's like watching two best friends that you know, mm. just watching them having a conversation. Um, there's a the character of Swanky, who's kind of like the, the older, established nomad. She, she's so rude, because she has to drive uh, Fern back into town, because uh, Fern doesn't know enough, because she's new to Lifestyle, to get like a new... Uh, tire. New tyre. She's so horrible, but at the same time, lovable and cheeky. She's just the sort of like mama bear you want.
0: Yeah, it, I love it, the characters in it. The characters are absolutely brilliant and they're, they're genuine because they are real people. You yeah. know, um, I think the story from reading around it, there's a character in it, Linda May, as uh, character was who Francis Madonna was supposed to play. Um, but then in conversation with Chloe Zhao, they changed the protagonist of the movie, they created Fern to to fit the storyline. Francis McDermott felt, uh, I think, said in an interview, it would be a more honest kind of portrayal. Uh, but it was Linda May, I think, who the source material the novel is based on or yeah, the, right. the works of of more of her character. Um, so I've made loads of notes on this because I love this film. I it, 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 I thought it was filmed and shot beautifully. It's a meditative drama. So it's a kind of film that breaks away from dialogue to give you scenes of landscape. It, it gives you scenes of, um, you, you know, uh, Francis McDermott or Fern's character just reacting, listening, walking, taking in, soaking up atmosphere. It's full of ambience, space, and it has this real genuine heart to the movie. I think also when I was watching it, I thought on face value initially, this was going to be a bleak tale because unfortunately when it comes to Oscar season, it's normally a bleak do you tale. you love a bit of bleak? Yeah. i well, yeah, um, oh, sorry, the, the Academy loves a little bit. They, they And do. if you
1: can get racism in there, better. <laughs>
0: It is, you know, there are certain tick box exercises for, for award seasons, but this within the first 10 minutes, you realize that on the surface it's bleak, but what it is, is this is the true personification of a movie that is about home is where the heart is. And I think the more into the movie, particularly towards the last act, you begin to realize, you know, the, the line in it was, I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, homeless, I'm houseless, you know, And, and it's that whole idea of I choose to live this way and I want to live this way. Um, I think I, I just thought, like I say, the whole movie was beautiful. I thought it was poetic. I loved the the mirrored haunting undertone. So you have these sweeping shots of landscapes that are beautiful. And you think, God, I just, I would love to be camping. I'd love to be out there. I'd love to see all this stuff mixed with, you know, the impact of a recession. So you see these towns that are now ghost towns, whole towns that are now um, derelict because the, the, the company's gone bust. You have the, you know, the, the, the Amazon warehouse packing factory, this machine driven, you know, um, monster of a, of a company. So you have this kind of contrast all the way through of natural beauty and, and then the horrors, I, I suppose, of, of, of real life. And I don't know. I just, I just thought the whole thing in this, I don't know. I, do you know that like, every now and again, you're like, oh that, yeah, that, that's a bit of me that, yeah. that's the only way I could describe this movie. That's a bit of me.
1: Do you know what the biggest compliment you could play a film like this is, did you fancy buying a camper van
0: and going nomad? Well, I've had that dream anyway, but yeah, it yeah, it did. Because mate, so did
1: I. Yeah. And I love Mass Effect. I can't play Mass Effect on a road. So. <laughs> You'd find a way. Yeah, sure would.
0: But it, it, <laughs> does, it doesn't shy away. It doesn't glamorize, you know, the, uh, the nomad living. It's not, They like say, it's not glamping. It's not doing it in style. You know, this is shitting in a bucket. You know, this is not having the money to, or, you know, to, to fix a tire. It, it, it is so and like I say stripped back I thought it was just really honest I, I think Frances McDermott's best role I I think I mean uh, that's saying a lot because her, her filmography is impressive I still
1: put it down as uh, three billboards outside of everything Missouri because yeah. that, that was a tour de force I remember coming out of that film just thinking if she doesn't win Oscars I'm going to burn Hollywood
0: down This this wasn't a showy performance which no. I also love I would like to point out that she is amazing and
1: I don't want to take anything away from it. but I all, I really like David Streitheim. Mm. I thought he was
0: perfectly mm. cast in this. As, as Dave. He's as Dave. <laughs> so not going to confuse that. Just
1: it? like when he first, in, they just dance and he shows up later in the film and it, it's really good. And then, the, the, and I don't put it down as a romance, their coy friendship about mm. dealing in this. I just thought it was, but they had such great chemistry. I wanted that film to go on more. I wanted more of them both. They were so good. But to me, the film's made up in the small nuances. Um, Earlier on in the film, she lends uh, a gentleman a lighter, and he comes back later to give a lighter back. Mm. Like the rules of the road, the rules of the nomad—you you pay back. Yeah, I just—I really liked it. And the scene, you both scenes you wouldn't need in the film—they were in it, and they were just they were just brilliant, mm. beautiful. The storyline is—you know—if you cut away all the fat, you've got a fifteen-minute storyline. The fat is the best bit of this. Yeah, it's it's, it's what brings you in—is it's the enjoyment of watching humans interact. In a realistic human way. And I know it's, they're not real actors. They're so genuine, it's mm. so brilliant. I want to get to know them as people. And that's very rare where you watch a film and you just think, I wish I could crawl into the screen and be there.
0: Yeah, I think it's directors well. It's perfect. I think it really captures um that that essence, you know, of of no bad living, that which is almost as I said earlier, it's a it's a meditative drama, but it's also almost like a spiritual way of life as well. Um reading around it, a lot of the um, real people that they filmed didn't know Frances McDermott was an actor. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I
1: because the, they don't go to cinema. Or,
0: or well, they just didn't know, they, you know, yeah. so um, afterwards she, and what's really good as well I like about France is like, you, you, you'd think method actor because of how good she is and everything. And she, I think, read in an interview, she did a couple of nights in the van and she was like, it's it's easier to act exhausted than <laughs> actually be exhausted. Um, it's, it, also, modern day Western. Yeah, I can
1: see that. This yeah.
0: is... The modern day Western, isn't it? You you know, because nowadays you wouldn't travel around town, you know, horseback in carriage or whatever. This is the way you'd have a run
1: down to desolate towns. You'd have a a setback of you you wouldn't be in a rich place, would you be in the middle of nowhere, Mm. dusty towns?
0: Yeah. Work, you know, finding work where it comes, then then traveling down where it's warmer. Yeah. Following
1: the weather, following the work as well. Mm -hmm. Only go to Amazon at Christmas time.
0: Yeah. And then the season's over, then you must move on.
1: Like the nomad, like the lonely horseman.
0: Oh, I, I I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I never bored. I soaked it. I bathed in this movie, James. Cinematography was a, was next level. Fantastic.
1: I seen locations. Fantastic. Next level.
0: I want to put it in a vault. Yeah. So any movie that we've both seen in the last seven days of doing a podcast, we're allowed to throw it in the Sorry, Massey Vault, safe haven for the greatest movies of all time. And this has got to be in there. Top shelf. Yeah. Fucking love this movie. It's so good. Also, this is this is a weird reflection of a good movie. Not going to be in a rush to rewatch it. No, but I always find that about the all
1: time greats. Mm. I I think it's like it's a a full meal. You can't go back to it. It, No, Nomad's a special type. It's it's definitely vote worthy. Mm. The amount of love and labor and and cost of time, you know, um, the director was directing Eternals at the same time and had to quit out of that, come back here, do some reshoots or some re editing, and then go straight back to the multi million pound. You know, so she, a labor of love for a lot of people. Yeah. Instead of performances from everyone, especially people without, I guess they're playing themselves. So how hard could it be to play themselves? Non-phased by the cameras, Mm. all come across as genuine, no fake. When they're laughing, I'm laughing. You know, when they cut to a scene and there's a joke being told and you don't hear it, but you see them laughing, you've got a wry smile on your face. You want to be involved, Aaron. Don't lie. You want to be there. I want to be around that fire.
0: I want to, I, 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 the other thing with this as well is it also has these dark tones of death and passing and, but in a celebratory way. Which I thought was really honest and open as well. I think I always, I always think that you know movies do a disservice to you know when it t- looking at t- some taboo topics like you know dying and passing and th- this, like, this one I felt just re- went at it head on, you know, and, and it actually embraced the, you know, the, the, the my phone is going off, James. Why? Not why didn't like I turn that. it off, James? This is this is what I said at the top about it not being. You know, a, a well edited, professional sounding podcast. I'm trying to talk about a film here that I absolutely love.
1: What's really going to piss you off is
0: it's me that's texted you. <laughs> I know. I'm not fucking playing Mass Effect, James. You know what? You you'd love
1: it. Maybe two and three, not maybe not one. Anyway. So I am no saying there
0: that. Yeah, I, I think I think the, the yeah this I think you know death. Okay. In films, is often kind of shied away from. as this kind of taboo subject? And I like that this movie kind of approaches it two or three times with central characters and central set scenes within this movie. And and I think it's all and it felt really honest, you know, as, as well. And it wasn't just coy about it, like like you mentioned a few minutes ago. There's everything about this film I thought was really really good. I thought I, I loved it. No, I, I do you know what? It's nice.
1: It's nice to when you got passionate about something like this. It's mm. a beautiful film. It's is it's worthy of your time.
0: Oh, have we peaked? Is this the top one this week, do you think? Yeah, I believe so, but it's but but there are some good ones coming up. All right. So, so where so do you want to go next? Do you want to go should to we the, go to
1: one of mine? What are your random... What are my random ones? That not I've, the big four. Not the big four. I've got quite a few. So um, do you know what? Here we go. I'm going to start off with maybe something a bit better, but you haven't seen it. So this is going to be me selling it to you. Uh, Joey Badass and Andrew ha- Howard... Two people you've not really heard of in a 2020 American short film by Travin Free um, and directed by Martin Desmond Rowe. It's called Two Distant Strangers, right? I believe it won an Oscar for Best Short. Mm-hmm. Can't be entirely sure. Um, in New York City, uh, Carter wakes up. He's just had a one night stand with the woman of his dreams. He's, he's having so much fun. He loves life. He goes downstairs, he leaves the apartment, rolls himself a cigarette put some money in his bag that he got from graphic design. They got paid cash in hand. And he accidentally, a man walks past him at the same time, accidentally spills his coffee. A policeman comes over and is very aggressive with him and basically holds him on the floor. And it's the shades of what's happened in America in the last few years. And as he's crushed to death, the neck, he dies. He wakes up Groundhog Day style. So he wakes up back in the bedroom on the restarting of the day. And the day plays out again. This time he avoids the man in the coffee. This time, though, he gets stopped by the policeman who sees the money, assumes he's a criminal. He tries to resist arrest, gets shot. Basically, every day this guy wakes up, he gets shot by the police. And do you know what? It was one of the most powerful half an hour things I've ever watched. It, when a short like that makes you question certain things, your attitudes, <clears throat> obviously this is making a big statement about how uh, African-Americans are treated by the police. The Indian will kill you it will, it will shock you to your core. It will make you question everything. It will make you feel really shit about yourself. It's a beautiful little film. It's a mm. film that makes you think and is not afraid to take on a taboo subject. Two Distant Strangers is on Netflix, one of the most powerful 30 minutes of film I've ever seen. Mm. It was, it's really nicely shot, how, how the character tries to then avoid the police, but so no spoilers, but he tries to avoid the police. So they break into his house and they shoot him mm. and they accidentally got the wrong address. Right. Everything is designed so that the policeman will shoot the the poor black kid, and he's fucking horrible. And as the as the days and the cycle continues, there's no you realize there's no way you can get out. <clears throat> what a powerful message and what a powerful film. Yeah, nearly to tears. And as the film goes on, it gets even better. And that's why I draw the spoilers. You should watch it. It's only worth like half an hour of your time. You need to watch this film. So it's,
0: it's half an hour long. Yeah, shorts are one of the. It's such a great medium of film, isn't it? To, to the the emotional impact they can create in such a yes. literally short amount of time, do you, because I, they're just so focused on getting you to that conclusion.
1: You, um what the director does here beautifully is he knows his audience. Mm. So either you're in a situation, you, you are quite clearly you're either the victim or the perpetrator, not by not by choice, but you know circumstances. And he doesn't shy away from that. Mm. Like this happens. This, and do you know what? It's really nice to see. Um. someone basically just go this is happening sort your shit out just like the end of uh, Black Klansman when uh, they have to you know at the rally and then mm. they cut it's just like don't shy away from it this happens yeah, this yeah. isn't fictional this actually happens and you know what he fucking chilled me to my core mm. and it's so such a powerful those last 10 minutes are so powerful I I, I was in nearly tears James mate. you
0: should have texted me before tonight I would have watched that before well, this do you know why I didn't because I know that
1: you will watch it and mm. then I'm looking for I wanted you to me to tell you what I thought and see what you thought
0: afterwards. Well, consider me intrigued. Colour me interested, James. Two Distant Strangers. Two and, Distant Strangers on Netflix. On
1: Netflix, And you will not be disappointed. That's a woozy James guarantee.
0: <laughs> Is that coming with money back or? Um, if you don't like it,
1: I will buy you some Pepsi Max. <gasps> but you will like it, so I know that. Okay, that's a big, big, big talk there, James. Because I was only small. Do you want me to go again with one of my other ones?
0: Uh Yeah, well, give me something, James. What you got? Do you know what? I believe... So I've got the
1: problem with the Oscars always celebrating themselves. We were talking about... I was talking about films of the past. It's all like, oh, like the artist. Anything that celebrates Hollywood, that will always be... That will be the thing that wins the Oscars. Unless it's Mank. Well, that's, that's the film we talked about. We talked about... In hindsight, that probably should have won.
0: I mean, Mank did. I mean, he won Best Screenplay. No, he didn't. Not it didn't. Cinematography. Didn't. Yeah. Which I don't think he should have. I thought, I thought News of the World should have got it, but... <clears throat>
1: So I had a big rant about Mank not deserving it, and it didn't. But usually Hollywood has a a history of kind of kissing its own ass. And then I remember there's a film about Hollywood kissing its own ass that I fucking love. And I rewatched it, and I know that you've seen it because I made you watch it once. 2012's Argo. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate, Ben Affleck appears as directors and stars as uh, a US intelligence agency, Tony Mendez, as he tries to get out some, uh, well, they're not captives. There's been a raid on the... uh, embassy and a few people have stolen away in the Canadian ambassador's house. And basically it's his job to get there, get them out somehow. But the Iranians are obviously on the lookout for Americans because there's a huge political mess going on. with The Americans interfering with the uh, Iranian elections. So these six people are hidden away whilst there's an actual armed a hostage situation in the embassy. So these are six people who've broken away. So the Iranians are looking for them. And now so is Tony Mendez. Now what we've got is we've got mate a stellar cast.
0: It is a stellar
1: cast. Oh, I do I, you know what? Can you feel the juice this phone? I love this sort of film. If I said Alan Arkin mm. in a top-notch performance, how are you going to beat that? I don't know. Maybe you sprinkle on a bit of uh, John Goodman. I was I, mate. I was building up. I was going to go Brian Cranston. Yeah, <laughs> mate. For John Goodman, and this was an era when do you remember? I believe in 2012 we would given up on Ben Affleck. I think he was done.
0: Had had we, or did we just... We always knew he was going to come back. Oh, no, I think I was
1: done with him. Really? Yeah. I mean, this was after Gigi. I mean, no one survived that. I mean,
0: what happened to Jennifer Lopez? I believe well, she-, she came out with Hustlers. So maybe there's like a 10-year yeah. curse or something. <laughs> like the, the, um, but basically... They're the, forced in the quantum realm until... They- <laughs>
1: until you've done your time. Yeah. You may be released. Yeah. Uh, but this is a fantastic story about how Mendez basically... It invents a fake movie so that they can go to Iran to shoot the sci-fi adventure. There you go. Bit of still got my sci-fi mass effect in there. Um, <laughs> off the he of Star Wars sci-fi was hot, so they said we're going to make this film called Argo, and we're going to we want to shoot in the Iranian bazaar and out in the deserts, and that's how he gets them. They pretend and the film is fraught with tension and nothing, mm. I remember watching this, nothing happens. The big tension, you know, the big showdown, the big run, you know, the bad guys are after the good guys, the big chase. It's a, a ringing phone and you, mm. and John Goodman gets stopped by an actor. And it's like, will John Goodman pick up the phone? Yeah. And it's, do you know what? It's, and we'll be in 2020. So it's eight years now, nine, nearly 10. The film's perfect. I do you know what, this film was such fun to watch. Originally at the time I remember what on Blu-ray, came around and showed you, showed your wife, It's so much from watching it then. I rewatched it. Do you know what? It's a cracking film and it holds up and the tension when no one's holding a gun to anyone's head, no one's pulling fingernails out. John Goodman not answering the phone is the tensest like 11 minutes you'll ever see in the cinema.
0: I I remember watching this and, and just because it was, one of them random moments in life. I remember at the time I watched about four movies where they all ended at airports and it was like, are they going to get on the plane or not? Like, I just remember it was like, is this all of a sudden like the big ending is this to the movies?
1: ending to a film? This is how Star
0: Wars ends. But... but um, I mean, when you're talking about cast, I mean, I know she didn't jump straight in there with Carl Chandler. You know, when you talk, I Tate do. Donovan is in this movie as Tate well. Tate Donovan
1: redeeming himself for basically anything you did in the early nineties. Yeah, the, the
0: film, the film cast list is sensational. Christmas Cena's in it, and this is also one of the movies as well with Ben Affleck. Is like, they, they, I just remember clearly watching it and being like, Ben Affleck's hair is very floppy. He like, is very floppy. This is obviously pre gel and mousse. Yeah, he didn't need but, it, mate. So, so because Affleck's in a two-time Oscar winner.
1: Yes, uh, one of them was for only writing, though, wasn't it? Yeah. This but, one was for the film. I don't think he got it for direct. But down.
0: he was produced it, though, didn't he? Oh, did, yes. I, I certainly good. was on stage when they, when they took it, um, when they took the award. Or was I, it Best Picture that year? I believe it was Best Picture. Right, I so I that's why he didn't win on
1: stage. Win. But um, everything about it, like Brian Cranston's great in it. Um, why did you say him earlier when I said Brian Cranston? Are you not on a Brian Cranston kick?
0: No, I just thought you were going John Goodman first. Oh, no, I was going to... Just, just because, of the, because of the scenes that he shares with Alan Arkin. They are some of the who best. Who is a national treasure in America. Alan Arkin, he's, he's amazing.
1: Early on in the film, you get something you never thought you'd see. You'd, you'd see Alan Arkin, John Goodman, and Ben Affleck, and you can tell that Ben Affleck knows it's a privilege mm. to be in that room.
0: There's throw a, in Stanley Tucci. Throw in Stanley Tucci. Oh, my God. I don't I don't think I'll be able to walk for weeks.
1: Um, <laughs> and Argo itself turns into a great storyline throughout. Mm-hmm. So um, everyone keeps asking him, well, what does Argo mean? And it came with that great line. It means, ah uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 still makes me laugh when I hear it. It's absolutely great. And do you know what? When it was declassified, that's a cracking story. And so like 10 years ago, just before the film's made, it was finally declassified. So everyone, you know, everyone heard the real story. Mm. And
0: it was such a, it's such an amazing feat. It is It is a truly remarkable story. that's that perfect um Story for cinema, and it's it's so unbelievable that it might just be true. And it was, you know. I love
1: the ending. One of them in a happy way says, Oh, this character escaped to Iraq, and you just think, Oh, well,
0: yeah. that's not that good. It reminds me <laughs> of like movies like Men Who Steer at Goats, where at the beginning it says, More of this film is true than you want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like that's a great foreshadowing, like warning, sorry, to a movie. Um, yeah, Argo's a great pool. Great um, pool. I would
1: want to vault Argo.
0: Uh, we have, yeah, we both have to have seen it in seven days is normally I have seen the rule. Yeah.
1: I've seen it I've se- when I wanted to bring up, I'd seen it. it
0: it's silly uh, a, a a vault container. It's a wicked film. So I mean Nomad Lands, uh Two Identical Strangers. Uh, two distance two strangers. Two distant strangers, sorry, and um so I was thinking three identical <laughs> strangers, that's a different documentary. And Argo. And um, Argo, strong starts. Should we go to podcast favourite, Amy Adams? Mate. Yes. Who i I was watching uh woman in the window this week. who was new on Netflix and genuinely was like, I do think Amy Adams is probably my favorite actor to watch. I, even in bad movies, I know right now you're thinking about jumping on a plane and go to an Ireland because she's over there right now filming disenchanted. What
1: makes you think I'm not already booked my ticket and wait. Could you play
0: mass effect James? That's why.
1: You can play it poorly. Once <laughs> snuck in a TV when Mass Effect Three was released, and I was on nights. I snuck in my Xbox 360 and a TV so I could play it overnight.
0: Well, I I do That's- think Amy Adams is is probably that my favourite person at the moment, and I you know and, and so I was really excited. I didn't know this was coming to Netflix. I literally just saw a post on social media. And I was like, oh shit! I remember seeing the trailer. It's obviously not coming out to cinema. So. um this film is directed by Joe Wright, who's on *Darkest Hour*, *Atonement*. I think he did *Pride and Prejudice*. Um, stars Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Julia Moore. Great cast.
1: It is a great cast, a great cast. It's the only film I remember. That, that's that. That must be what Gary Oldman looks like. He must be that old now. You because lately we've seen him Prosthetic. so prosthetics. That that must be what he looks like. now. he's so old. Well, time waits
0: for no man. James. I know
1: time is, but but it just makes me worry for a time when we don't have Gary Oldman.
0: Oh, well, that's a bit negative. Right? Jeez, I think he's got good health. I don't think he's going anywhere just yet. No. Um, Sorry, <laughs> Rear Window. So, 1954, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Straight away, when you see the poster, when you see the trailer, you know you're thinking Rear Window. We've seen this story before. You know, woman in the window. It, you know, even at the beginning of this movie, there is a shot of. Um, Rear Window, the 1954 movie. It's, you know, we've re- seen that remade with Christopher Reeves and Daryl Hannah in 98. We even got a Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf, which, funnily enough, that movie went to court for copyright infringement. For this? For being a play on Rear Window, yeah.
1: What's, what's that? One of them's Rear Window, a classic, and it was Disturbia.
0: Well, it's because of the parallels in the no, storyline. You so... would have
1: thought Superior, movie. maybe it's also been done to death in like every, uh, every film serial that's a crime. You know, like, mm. I'm sure there's like 12 Jonathan... Jonathan Creek's that I like this this principle of someone who was forced to watch this and how does it happen that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so I went into this movie thinking I know this film off the bat. I thought it was a Rear Window remake, a modern yeah. telling of it. Didn't realise that it comes from the source material of a book by the same name. Um, And like I said, when it starts up and you see images of rear window on a laptop and I think one of the first conversations between two characters is talking about a noisy dog and one of them saying, did that dog get sorted? You're like, hold on, this is rear fucking window, isn't it? Like, so I I love what happens immediately into this film. For anyone who hasn't seen any of those, um, Amy Adams plays Anne Fox, who's in, right, this is a... She's agoraphobic. A,
1: she's agoraphobic, which means she doesn't go outside.
0: Uh, should you say agora or agoraphobic? I say agoraphobic. Agoraphobic.
1: But, but I'm not saying that's the correct pronunciation. Someone who doesn't
0: go outside is a, has a fear of going outside. Yeah. Um So she's living alone in New York. and is a psychologist, a child psychologist, who um, spies on her neighbours. She keeps watch on the neighbourhood. And one day she witnesses a violent and disturbing act across the street, which is um, the house that Gary Oldman has just occupied with his uh, son and wife. And have just moved in on the street. Yeah. I read up on this that it's really upset some people that love the book that came out in 2018 because it deviates from the source material.
1: Okay.
0: I haven't read the book, so I went into this thinking it's an Amy Adams movie. And I thought it was real window, so I'm in for a good time because I like Hitchcock. Um, I was surprised at how stylish this movie is, first and foremost. Okay. I thought it was gonna like with the Hitchcock films at the beginning, the score is very Hitchcockian. Is that a word we're going to call we'll it that? We'll call it that. The framing, the cinematography at the beginning is very Hitchcockian. That when she's looking across the window, the camera goes up, right, down, left, back, right, up again. And people are moving in windows and stuff. And it's like, fuck it out. It's like an imitation of a Hitchcock movie. And then very quickly, it become really stylish with like super zoom on like a dripping tap and CGI and special effects and blood splatter in a certain scene and things that I really didn't think it was going to do. And I was actually quite like, oh, okay, this is, yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely 2021. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm all for this. Started getting like a Shutter Island feel to it. Oh, And there's a character that comes into it that is a little bit, uh, so Julianne Moore's character when she comes in is, very abstract. He's not yeah. like how a person would speak, you know, or he's commits you
1: know. to nothing, does what they like, puts the hero on the back foot.
0: Yeah. And he, and talks in a, what first looks like rude, but when you actually start to think about it, is a distorted character. And and yeah. so straight away, my alarm bells are going off and there's this connotation, connotation there's this theme of um, her talking to someone on the telephone and that's a great mechanism in film because it's always, well, if you don't see it with the telephone in her hand, you've got to, you know, you've got to question, is that on the telephone or is that a monologue in her head? It's the, the age old question in film is does the person on the other end of the phone exist?
1: How uh, how long did it take you to realise that that was Anthony Mackie?
0: Oh, straight away, I do, is Anthony d- Mackie, didn't, yeah.
1: I, it, until... Much later on, I was like, I just spent the entire time going, "Who is that? Mm. Who is that?" that's doing my head in.
0: I I went into this movie like with my guard up, and I was picking up on things. There's you know, there's a psych- there's a scene at the beginning. You know, she's a psychologist. It, it opens with that, and she's a, there's a scene where she's talking to someone, and I was thinking right from the word go, who is talk, who is counselling who in this scene, and I, I I was like, I hated him. I thought he was a dick. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, no one's liked him since uh, Ford and Ferrari, are they? Le Mans. That's where he's from.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, he's just the yeah the the owner of Ford. It's, his, it's he?
1: just his advice is, ah, you'll be fine. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want from a psychiatrist. But
0: I, like I say, with the with the change in what I thought was going to happen, and then with the fact that I it became a game, it became a like, okay, yeah, let's see where this goes. And there were two twists in this movie. One I saw coming. One I one I kind of did, but was very pleasant with the reveal when it happened. Genuinely, do you know what the only downside to this movie was? Okay. No,
1: I don't. What did you think the only the only downside to this film was?
0: And I, I from that tone, James, I reckon you're going to shit on it in a minute yeah. and, and say that there's loads wrong with it. But I enjoyed the romp that this film was. It was like, come along, let's have a game. Let's. See. It's a bit cat and mouse, this movie. Um... Gary Oldman, mate, fucking hell. I don't know how there's any scene left. He, 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 he was,
1: chewed. He went full out. He chewed. He, yeah. It, it was there was a
0: scene yes, with all is, these all this talent on screen and I was like, what is Oldman doing?
1: <laughs> I just it, It's like someone turned him up to twelve. He was vibrating. When he was just stood there being still, it was like he was snorting
0: the air. He was like, it, yeah, it could, he, have, it could have exploded at any opportunity he went there and then the, it took me out of the movie for a moment because I just thought what happened to Gary Oldman because I, I thought he was going to come in and it was going to be you know Leon level of yeah. you know because he's the suspect he's the he's the person that you're supposed to you know have your guard up against in this movie how he's introduced but it just it felt you know I, I was in uh, hunter killer territory all over again with Gary Oldman so yeah. that was for me now I'm not saying this is, was a great movie Am I saying I enjoyed it on a Sunday night? Fuck yeah, I did. Sat at home watching this on a Sunday night. I actually really enjoyed it. What did you think?
1: I didn't like this film. I, I think Amy Adams was wasted. I think the, the chemistry, one of the best scenes is, is her and Julianne Moore. I really liked them bouncing off each other. I, you know the two twists? I saw them both coming. and mm. wasn't surprised by either especially what they think is their great twist at the end. I was like, you've got so many, do you not know the term red herring? It's like, you've got, everyone can't be a red herring because yeah. then, then it only leaves one person it could possibly be. Um, it was nice to see everyone's less favourite Captain America in it. I can't remember the his name. I thought he did a good job of The Lodger, a great bit of mystery about him. But then he shows up at the end to just like splurge dialogue that, that goes nowhere ultimately or tells you everything you want to know. Uh, I, no, there wasn't enough in it for me. I thought it was Wyatt a, Russell. Was Wyatt Russell. I thought he was a. I thought it was a poor rear window, like a very poor rear window. I I wanted more. I I expected more as well. So I thought, I, I thought rear
0: window was the red herring for the most part. I think it, thought it was like it gave you everything to say this is going to be that movie, and then it twisted it. Yeah.
1: No. That- so to me, it, it wasn't for me. I I you know what? It was an okay film, and there's nothing wrong with having an okay film sometimes.
0: Yeah, what I also liked about it, and this is going back to the Shutter Island thing though, is it there are scenes and there are ways that it's um, engineered to make you think it was more of a play than it was a big budget Hollywood movie. Yeah, and I liked that as well. There's there's open camera movement in this movie that wouldn't work because of where the walls in the house are, which made me think this is much more like an open set and a play than than it was a than a a feature.
1: Do you know what I think would have made this film instantly better if you only if it only took place in one room? If, if only took mm. place, not in the one room, in the one apartment, if it took place in one apartment, which to be fair, it mostly does. I thought it'd be instantly better. Mm. Like um, a lot like, you know, Birdman feels, you know, you very rarely move from the centerpiece. Uh, I know it was okay. There's nothing wrong with an okay film occasionally. I did not like the ending, surprisingly. <laughs> I thought it was crap. Even when everything's done, how the characters move on, I really didn't like either. I, that's that's mm. all I can say without giving spoilers away. So I'm, I'll stop there.
0: Yeah, because it is it is worth engaging with. I mean, you know, if you are looking for oh, a movie to watch,
1: there's never any decent whodunit out there. I haven't no. seen a decent whodunit in ages. So if if it will tease the mind for an hour forty three minutes,
0: yeah, yeah, and and I mean the the central gem of the crown of this movie is is amy adams Adams. it was so good to see certain scenes where she's going from you know because she's a woman that is battling mental health issues that you know um has had trauma in her lifetime is a psychologist is medicated but is also drinking heavily and there are scenes where she gets to go through a spectrum of of emotions very rapidly um and i think she's an absolute She's mastermind a, at what she does she's a tour de force mate mm.
1: and do you know what i would probably put her in the top top 10 of all time maybe she's that good
0: yeah i mean i open this by saying she's maybe the one person i kind of really hone in at the moment too but um yeah I, I i well i thought more highly but then i think between the two of us if you're a first-time listener i do think i speak more positively about movies than you do yeah. sometimes james i think you're a little bit harder to win over
1: yeah, that's fine I'm okay you've been that. hurt before I have been hurt before
0: you fucking can't... sung the praises of Alien vs. Predator there last week didn't you I didn't I Jesus it was like Rocky 5 how'd mate? you come here today you know and, and talk this movie down when you were saying oh Alien vs. Predator isn't that bad actually <laughs> it wasn't that bad uh, yeah get over it yeah start a fucking campaign get some signatures eh cancel <laughs> you so it's just me
1: But <laughs> well, that, that podcast will be successful <laughs> won't it I don't like this <laughs> Don't have an opinion about anything, James. How dare you? Do you know what? I'm going to take you back to a simpler time. Oh. I'm going to take you back to 2009. I'm going to take you back to a film that you said for about, since about 2009, you've been telling me I should watch the fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, mate.
0: And I've already talked about stop motion today.
1: <laughs> you, you have. It naturally comes, at, so obviously from Wes Anderson, starring George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, William Dafoe, Owen Wilson.
0: You Talk about a voice cast. Michael Gambon. Yes.
1: Uh, touch motion. So you're a huge fan of this. Yep. I So we did an animation episode and I watched The Isle of Dogs. And this was one of the earlier animation films, I believe, when we were doing stop motion, when we are doing like Kubo and the Two Strings. So we're talking like episode 50 around there, guys. If you want to go back and listen to that. And you said, oh, you'd love Mr. F- Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. I love Roald Dahl. I think Roald Dahl might be. I know everyone's up on the Harry Potter and things like that. Roald Dahl has an imagination for children, which was next level. I mean... I I believe he was in the the newspapers. I I don't really care about it. It's it's his stories I really fell in love with. Yeah, The Twits. I've never understood why the Twits isn't a huge thing. Mm. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. uh, My Child is based on these. I absolutely love him. A a Vinicius Kinid. I still remember all of these things. The
0: Witches, mate.
1: The the Witches terrified the pants off off me. Absolutely fantastic film. And do you know what I always loved? Fantastic Mr Fox. Mm. Because he was cool. So, he
0: was. He was sharp. He was witted.
1: He was. He'd bring a chicken home for dinner. I never. Do you know what? I don't remember it though. I remember loving Fantastic Mr. Fox. And do you know what? I've I've accused Wes Anderson of not not picking a time period. His all his films could be like set in the fifties. Does this change that? No. Does when does Wes Anderson take take a, a risk? Stop motion is a, is a risk at the time. It's not a huge thing. He he's brought it back. You can tell he's got a love of the of the art, which is. Do you know what if I'm going to praise Wes Anderson, I'm going to praise him for taking a risk with that. George Clooney is fantastic, Mr. Fox. What a casting! Mm. The suavest man. And do you know what? You, I I rate Clooney. I do rate Clooney. I, 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 I rate love Clooney. Clooney. Yeah. Even in shit, I still think Clooney can still get away with it with his cheeky Batman smile. Batman Robin, shut up. But no, it's afterwards. <laughs> afterwards, when he, if you say to George Clooney, "I've seen Batman Robin," he gives you your money back. He's like, yeah. I'm sorry, he's not. He's just like it was. What did he say? Like, it was a chance to play Batman. Of course, he was going to say yes.
0: Gives you some of that Nespresso money. Is <laughs> like here you go?
1: For them, um, it's fantastic. The story, brilliant. The characters come to life. Everything's got it. The, the voice acting, especially from Michael Gambon as the worst farmer, it's so scary. It's a film for kids and for adults. Mm. Uh, the dynamic between uh, George Pliny and uh, Fantastic Mrs. Fox, Mel, uh, Street. Mel Street. is brilliant. The, the animation's glorious, fantastic. It's it's smudges. It's it's fuzzy. It's done with love. There's a lot of tension there. There's I a lot love of details. That, that
0: they let the puppeteers it's like fingerprints, fingerprints, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it gives them a, that that rustle. I was
1: gonna say it gives them like a beautiful ruffle effect. Mm. The the character of like the cousin that comes to stay and is like uh, ambiguous and brilliant at everything effortlessly. Mm. I it was a really good fun time, which I didn't expect to be having watching this 2009 film the other week. Just because Amazon have just done, they've dropped a load of decent films. Amazon. Mm. And I was having a whale of a time just watching Fantastic Mr. Fox, which which I wasn't going to do for redemption episode and I realised I'd never actually seen it.
0: What I uh, really love about it as well is there are moments of pure comedy gold where like uh, Clooney is a fox and Bill Maury is a badger yes. square off and they turn animalistic. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, but very like stupidly as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: there's a bit in uh, Isle of Dogs or quite a few times where there's a fight and a scuffle and they just do a smoke cloud and every now and again you see a paw. So you don't actually see the violence and it kind of just animates it so much, you know, so much better. Um, the, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, I love the whole part of it. I love the, like like you say, the kind of grown up feel to it. Yeah. But also the fact that it's very much a kid's did, film.
1: But it deals with things that as an adult, you go through like, uh, Mr. Fox is like, he settles down. Yeah. But he's bored with life. And you're just like, yeah, I'm there. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I've only got like a few hours and then I've completely my fate. What am I going to do after that?
0: <laughs> what? I like Owen Wilson as well as the coach, the PE teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I knew I saw his name on the, cause Owen Wilson has that distinctive voice. I remember seeing this at the cinema and thinking like, I wonder when he's going to come in and when he does, you're like, there he is. <laughs> but I love the kind of returning cast, Wes Anderson's returning cast, you know, yeah. you're your Bill Morris and Aaron Wilson, Patrick Schwartzman. Um, Jason Jeff Goldblum, now William Dafoe, these kind of reoccurring characters that, that appear in it. I I think this movie is brilliant. It's, I love it.
1: It was a, it was a fun watch, and do you know what? I think sometimes you just need something to lift your spirits, and it did lift my spirits. It's great. The way Clooney's words kind of come off the screen like this, crisp velvet, mm. it, they seduce you. You're on his side, despite the fact he's a dick. You should <laughs> he's, you should watch. a selfish um,
0: man. You should watch some of the documentaries of doing the voice work as well. So like. um, when They did Isle of Dogs. They don't, they, it's not like you know, big budget where they go into a studio and they're in a booth and they get to play it. You know, it's um, you know, a microphone in front of the actors, boom, stand above the heads, and then they're acting these scenes out. And good. this, as it should be, it's a really good if you watch the making of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which uh, some of the stuff with George Clooney is brilliant, you know, like so. The whole scenes when you know, like, uh, Mr. Fox is on the, on a motorbike, you know, getting a backy on the motorbike kind of across town. He, you know, they're sat on a bike, a motorbike, kind of just bouncing up and down, delivering the lines, very animated, very kind of in there. And, you know, Wes Anderson's like on the floor with the microphone, just up, just in the right position. And I love that, you know, Isle of Dogs, I think, uh, was it Jeff Goldblum couldn't make it to the room? So he just phoned, he literally just picked up the phone and did it all over a telephone. <laughs> he says it's the quickest paycheck he's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> like, so
1: I've got a thing for you. Mm. This is a streak of a Wes Anderson film. So this all started when you made me watch Hotel not Artemis. Hotel Grand Grand Budapest Th- hotel, hotel. Which is brilliant. Then we did an episode where we all had to, where we made each other.
0: Moonrise Kingdom. You Moonrise like that?
1: Kingdom and I like that and I've liked fantastic Mr. Fox. So I've got a question for you. And Isle of Dogs? Oh, I like Island Dogs as well. So my question for you is, where should I go next? <laughs> If you say the Royal Tenenbaums, I'm out because I've really that No, no, hate no. I'm instinctively going to go. It's not even a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, no.
0: I would. I would have gone Darjeeling Express. Okay. Just because, it, it, I would have go straight in there with Anderson.
1: I've judged that, so I've never seen it. But I've judged. You know, when you judge a film by its cover, and I remember thinking, "There's too much Wes Anderson." Life Aquatic
0: though would be a good one as well, actually. Okay. So I, maybe Life Aquatic first. And then Darjeeling Express. Darjeeling, I, I, I think if I'd gone in for Darjeeling Express first, I might not have got Life it as much. Yeah. But going in as a, as an Anderson fan, it, it's you know you you're settling into that, and it's that's really actually quite enjoyable. Um,
1: so I'll do that. I'm mean, not I'm not gonna put time on it because I don't think they're on anything. But Darjeeling Express and the Life Aquatic of Steve Zuzu or something. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot much
0: longer name. Yeah, Bill
1: Murray one.
0: Yeah, probably yeah. gonna go
1: with that one know where I stand with the Mori?
0: with the Mori, yeah Willie Defoe again he's got another ensemble cast brilliant so, cast do
1: you know what Wes Anderson I, Wes Anderson well done for 2009 you, you, you've hit a streak I mean it's 2021 but I'm I'm, I'm kind of turning into a fan now <laughs> and I'm really interested Have you've seen his next his, his next film his cast list is is mega it's got yeah. even more people there so I kind not do you know what I kind of want to get into Wes Anderson before that film comes out because I would love to see that in the cinema
0: yeah I, you got it, haven't you because he's like him or hate him he he has a, an art style. You know, he has a palette to his movies. He has a, yeah, you know. 50s, yeah. <laughs> well, you say that, James, but look, Batman 89, mate, when was that filmed? No one knows. That's a good point, no one knows what time period that was. It's a good point, but I would like to
1: say then then Dimper, do you know what? I was going to say Dimper and then took a risk. I was like, unless that risk was high Johnny Depp or his next
0: wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to move on to Tom Clancy's Without Remorse.
1: You, you're you going to have to do this on you. I can go up to you for about half an hour. I fell asleep.
0: <laughs> Too much Mass Effect?
1: no, I can't blame Mass Effect for this one because I think I watched this before,
0: before Mass Effect was released. So. All right, so you've had a good week to finish this movie and you still haven't. That, no. that, that kind of gives the review straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom is Without Remorse 2021 action mystery thriller that is now on Amazon Prime. Uh It's directed by Stefano uh, Salamira, who... Uh, I, I, can't, I can't... That name doesn't ring a bell. a no. no? bit what what does hurt is that this is from the writer, uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan, who did Sicario and Hell or High Water. You can tell in certain parts. Yeah, it, but them you, two movies I loved. Yeah, but you've got to remember as
1: well, this is based on a Tom Clancy character, and Tom Clancy was, not he was, Tom Clancy, all of his source material was to the, you know, they, no one's going to have like a shootout in a restaurant. They're going to have one sniper shot, mm. and then you're going to have four chapters explaining the difference between tanks. This is Tom Clancy. His characters aren't overboard it's Hollywood that makes them.
0: So you're, you, cause you're a, you're a Tom Clancy fan
1: then? I was when I thought, you know, it's cool. What I really like is Amazon has done a really good job of the Jack Ryan TV series mm. uh, with uh, John, John Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah. And that's brilliant. I'll be honest. I love John Krasinski and uh, Jack Ryan spends a lot of time with Clark in certain of, of my favorite Clancy books, like rainbow six. And it leads on to bigger ones. i uh, Michael be Jordan to me. If they've got a Tom Clancy universe coming, mate, I'm going to be all over that. Mm.
0: Well, Michael B. Jordan and, uh, John. And Jeff, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, and Michael B. Jordan is, is, is brilliant in this, as you say, as the, as the main character, uh, John Clark. So he's a elite Navy seal agent, um, who during a top secret operation, um, him and his team are deployed to save some hostages. And in the crossfire, some Russian soldier, uh, soldiers are taking casualty. Um, when back home on American soil, there's a deadly retaliation, including some of the members of the SEAL team and John's pregnant wife. What then happens is, fueled by uh, revenge, John begins to track down these assassins as he learns that the, there's a secret agenda that may or may not involve senior officials of government and potential double agents in the CIA. So, so Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, this was dangerously close to films like SAS Red Notice that I w- listen, watched yeah. recently. That. This this is not my ballpark. These kind of movies.
1: It's realistic. It tries to be realistic, despite the fact there's some fucking unrealistic bollocks but, but in from it.
0: My my experience with my experience with Tom Clancy. Yeah. If I think of things like Clear and Present Danger. Yes. Some of all fears. Yeah. Is that it? Always it always threatens worst case scenario. Yeah. End of the world. Yeah. You know Armageddon, World War Five. Yes. All these. But we, it never happens.
1: It does get there, but in only the good ones. So there's a, there's a Tom Clancy book called like The Bear and the Dragon, and it's about a war between Russia and China. And that breaks out because mm. uh, Ryan's president at one point. And it, realistically, in one of the books, uh, terrorists fly planes into government buildings before September 11th happens. Mm. So he is dark, but you're right. There's always the greater power that never happens. I think the biggest thing there is, Tom Clancy's stories are at the best when they're realistic. Now you mentioned some of all fears when some Russian generals don't agree with the new president, uh, prime minister of Russia, so they secretly start a war, and the prime minister, to save face, thinks it makes tells everyone there's his decisions. That's bullshit. Now Hunt for Red October.
0: Is, ah, it's the one I did mention. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but that's more realistic because uh, Jack Ryan, who in the movie is played by Alec Baldwin, is not an action hero. He, he doesn't do anything action in it, and it's more realistic, and it's a better film and a better story. Does that mm. make sense? Because it's realistic. There's no shootouts. There's no government agencies blowing each other up. It's, it's about a Russian uh, U-boat commander that that uh, defects. But he, because he can't tell anyone, Jack Ryan's basically communicating with him through sonar, like, what's he up to? Oh, I think that's a, that's the best Jack Ryan film. Mm. It's on for Red October.
0: Not clear of present danger, then?
1: No, because it's too, act- of Ford's too action See,
0: so I remember Claim Friends in Danger growing up, the action was at the end. I remember, because I was, when I watched that movie as a kid, yeah. I, I didn't get the story, you know, the espionage, the, it's
1: all about, know, It's all about drugs and then the government, Fucking, I remember this, the government sell them out yeah. so that they can get some terrorist or get a win because, uh, Jack Ryan takes on the president in that one.
0: Yeah, so I I didn't, like as a kid, you're just waiting for the explosions and the and the gunfire, and which, to, come, which happens yeah. right at the end for a brief moment. And Harrison Ford, who at that time I knew as Indiana Jones and, and Han Solo. In, so where's and in his this, hat? He doesn't do a lot in this, you know. Yeah. He, 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 you know. But back on this, I think Michael B, Michael B. John does carry the movie, undoubtedly. He and he's in an incredible shape. He's a committed actor. I think every time he's in a role, I, I believe... Michael B. Jordan, I think I think he's brilliant. I think he will he will land his franchise at some point. Oh, I know yeah. he's been in Creed and I know he's been in in the in the Marvel universe, but he will have his own entity at some point. That you know that we there isn't a remake, isn't inspired by you know source material that people know. It, a completely unique. Oh, idea. he's gonna win an
1: Oscar for sure.
0: He'll do, he'll do something. He'll do that kind of John Wick kind of character where it's like the staple, the the the, the landmark. Yeah, this unfortunately doesn't do it, and and. I think it's it's slick. It's got that '80s retro uh, '80s nostalgia feel to it as a, as an action movie. You know, you got this super tough, um, you know, hero at the center of it who takes out numerous amounts of of villains, and, and he's just equipped and tactile and all these things. So it had this kind of like romance to those '80s movies. But I think the thing is that the espionage like action thriller franchise Hollywood just fucking loves churning these kind of movies out, which. It feels like a bit of a rite of right, a passage for up and coming stars, you know, like to, to, oh, I got my, you know, I, I got my, yeah, I got belt. my military, you know, yeah. uh, badge. And I think for this, I, I think because he didn't really offer anything new to that genre, it was quite bland quite quickly. I think after maybe 15 minutes, there's, there's a pretty cool scene in the prison. Um, but then after everything from that on, onwards, I was just... I was like, I've seen this film. I've se- I've seen it. Do you know what? I I tend to
1: disagree because I was actually having quite a lot, and I thought it was an underrated play. But, but But one of the reasons i I was quite liking it was that there wasn't like a huge body count. It was realistic. Are
0: you only saw half an hour, James.
1: No, it's no, only it had half an hour to go. Oh. it was just the end. I, I watched the majority of it. I I thought it was okay, bordering on good. I, I I liked it. I do know what you're saying though. Very formulaic in parts. Very little risks being taken. Yeah. Like not a big risk taker, but at the same time, I think it's. Do you know what it is? It's because I'm in my head. I'm seeing further down the road, and I'm seeing an adaptation where he and John with John Kwinski are together. Jack Ryan and uh, Clark, and I'm, I'm like, say, build the build the foundations, get mm. there because that's where I want to go. So I will forgive some of the staleness in this, and the, let's say, it's not an it's not an exciting film. Mm. At no point it does your pulse race. You're like, yep. That's yeah, I, n- I never, yeah. I
0: never at any point was like, oh shit, they have to leave no trace in Russia because if they do, they could trigger a war. I was like, they're just not going to do that.
1: And that's why it's a really good fall asleep. <laughs> because, because that's not going to happen. You're like, it's dark and there's not that much music. So you're like, I snuggle up.
0: Yeah, actually, to be honest, there was a pretty good underwater scene as well involving a plane crash scene. And so yeah. The, that's the, a bit different, isn't it? There were, the, yeah, there were enough, elements to it, I guess. But the problem with that scene though, is that then you are almost, you're very quickly in superhero territory. That guy all of a sudden, you know, had Aquaman's lungs and (laughs) could, you know, and and defied, you know, became, became a bit of a John McClane kind of character in those instances, which took me away from him being a calculated, um, you you know, well-trained killer, an elite SEAL to all of a sudden, he's a John McClane, like reckless, gets the job done kind of character. It's hard
1: to take him seriously. The, the character is supposed to be like the best soldier, like, we'll get shit done, mm. but he's realistic. So it's not gonna like, it's not like, you to know, shoot, he's not gonna single handedly win a war, but we'll, you know, drag his platoon to the end line. You know, he's protective of his troops. He's the ultimate military leader. The thing is, though, when you've got action heroes like John Wick and they do all stuff, it's hard to come across in a realistic thing when when this film, let's be honest, is direct competition. It is films like that. So mm. it is hard to establish yourself. Like I say, I'm kind of hoping that they stick with it. Was it a movie that hurt it? Would it make more sense over, a, over maybe a TV series? I think maybe like a yeah, five, I, six. I,
0: if, yeah, it would have been a really good TV series. You
1: you know, so you spend more time with the family, you understand the loss. I, I, that's when I was watching. I was thinking, if this was a TV series, I'd be more invested knowing where it goes uh, yeah. because the two Jack Ryan ones were both series. So I, I think there's more in there. I hope this isn't it the is end.
0: leaps and bounds better than SAS Red Night. Oh God, yes! When that, you said which, that at
1: the beginning, I was like, "It's not that bad."
0: <laughs> no, it's no, it's not that bad. Jeez, that that film was terrible. There, there is enough in this to keep me going through it. I just, I, I didn't come away blown away by it at, at yeah. all. But but the, I think that Michael B. Jordan at the helm of it. I yeah, I, I would I would rewatch. I would watch the next one if they brought it out. Yeah, because like I think they would take maybe some of the mistakes. The thing as well, and not giving this away, I don't mean to spoil it if no one's seen it, but. Also, fucking, when you put in a big actor in a role, you fucking know, they need, yeah, they're then up to no good, you know, because they, w- because it's, they, it's like, like it's like a TV series with a murder. It's like
1: it's like, oh, Jimmy Smith is <laughs> a guest starring. Well, I think Jimmy Smith might be the killer because I'm fucking heard of anyone else. Yeah, in this. it's
0: it, it's you know saying that Michael Jordan and up and coming actors need to get their like you know military badge in acting. When you're when you're an aging actor, you've got to get your. You know, your you sleazy government official traitor yes. badge as well. And yes. I was just like, fuck it, when, let, just reveal that character now because it's going to happen in the last scene and i just get it over and done with. So that was also a bit of a. Um, they do try and give you a red herring, but then you see through that pretty quickly. And and actually, I just thought maybe they're both fucking bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I Any don't spoilers, know.
1: spoilers, mate, second film.
0: Tom Clancy's Remorse, 2021. Um, yeah, okay, cool. You got another one before we go on to promising young woman? Well, I've got a lot to say on promising young woman. So do I. So, Alan, what
1: are we doing for time? Easy, mate. Hour one minute. Do you want know then? Can I hit it off with a film because I would like to put this one in the vault? I <gasps> do. You know what? I watched this for the first time five years too late. I don't know if you've seen it though. Um, 2016's biographical drama, The Founder. This is
0: about uh yeah uh, McDonald's. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've seen this one. So uh, Michael Keaton plays. Oh, Robert. done. I
0: know, oh, saying no. it. The fault. Oh. The, the greatest movies of all time. Do you not like The Founder? Well, let's, let's see where this goes.
1: Um, businessman plays Ray Kroc, who comes across uh, two brothers, played by uh, John Carroll Lynch, who I know you're a huge fan. I do and, like Carroll Lynch. And we're both huge fans of uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who basically ordered ten, uh, no, was it? It's five uh, It's five milkshake machines. And uh, Kroc is a failing businessman who's selling these. And do you know what? He goes, there and visits. do you want five? And it turns out no. 'Cause he goes there to think it's a mistake. And uh, they go, No, we don't want five, one ten. So he goes there himself to see it. He sees the first ever McDonald's, fast food. No longer do they come out to the car, they stand at the window drive. There's a brilliant scene where he tried he orders his McDonald's, he doesn't really know what he's getting. I really like this film. I think uh Nick Offman and uh John Carroll Lynch. Darryl, uh, John Carroll Lynch are oh, phenomenal. Is Ray Kroc slowly and insidiously steals a company away from them. They wanted to bring, you know, quality, a one-off. is a fantastic scene where the two brothers design on the floor their first McDonald's. You know, they've drawn it out so everything can be meticulous. Everything can be efficient. You know, burger to bun to customer in like 30 seconds. It's phenomenal. Ray Kroc, though, only sees the money signs. He sees the dollar. He starts franchising, franchising. He can't make any money. Screws the screws the brothers out by starting a, a complex scheme. They're the two honest boys, and
0: he's the cock. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both American dreams, but coming at it from very different ones. Yeah. A, one's a you know, hard-working graft and, and sweat on your back, and the other is the capitalist who will steal it from under you.
1: And the reason I think this was a fantastic film, and I loved it, was for three simple reasons. Uh, number one, Nick Hoffman
0: as the brother who basically... He's calculated, isn't
1: he? He's, he's a methodical one. But at the same time, he's he's quick to rage. Yeah. Uh, but there's a brilliant scene where they keep saying no to mm. Croc and it's fantastic. Like the ring finger goes, no, no. It's like a montage of no and only Nick Hoffman can delight you with a specific no. Um, John Carroll Lynch is the second reason. He's fantastic. Is the other brother, the alien brother, the believer, the optimist. You know, mm. he wants to see something in Croc. He wants to franchise, he doesn't he? To, he? But he believes in Croc. Mm. He's like, I believe in you. You know, you're like a, you can be the unofficial third brother and number one, you know what I think might be a career-defining performance. Michael Keaton was phenomenal as an arsehole. Michael, like Michael, <laughs> Michael Keaton, yeah. Michael Keaton was next level. And it, I love the sort of film that makes me go after and research it. But when I see a film and I call it called the Founder it's about this Ray Kroc who apparently stole McDonald's from two people who would like the opposite of McDonald's. They wanted fast food, but they wanted quality. You know, they wanted families to mm. eat together. to what it is now. I went and researched it. And a lot of it's true. Now I'm not saying everything's true, but the arseholeness of it. That's a, I've really enjoyed this film. I've got to say, I, I was brilliant. I've blown away by the professionalism. The actors are next level there. They are bouncing off each other in great scenes. And we talk about, I imagine, a very hard film to see in his telephones. You've got one actor. He probably can do it with one actor. Michael Keaton's on his phone on one soundstage. He's just talking to himself. But a lot of these films take place over telephone calls and they snap between the two. And it's just so brilliant. It's a testament to the acting that they're acting against nothing. It makes me think they must have been in the same room to play off each other. It was a phenomenal experience and I really enjoyed myself and I think The Founder was absolutely a ph- phenomenal film. I loved this film.
0: I, d- I did like it and I, and I think there's some other, you know, I, I'm amazed that he didn't come out of the gate saying Patrick Orson, you know, Ackerman's brother in this uh, in this movie. I don't remember him. <laughs> he's the, yeah, well, he's, he he well, not only does um, Ray Croc, Michael Keaton steal McDonald's, he also tries tries to steal someone's wife and actually oh, succeeds. Who's um, played obviously by Linda Cardellini, who we don't see enough of. Oh, and she's Lord Dern as as Ray Dern's Croc's actual wife. wife. Yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's a huge cast. This movie, I I I liked it. I liked it. Um, what I didn't get about it, there are two movies in there. There's the brothers. Yeah, and I like that film. I wanted to see that. I want to see them coming up with the idea, taste testing, developing a system. When we're introduced to them, they've already they've already cracked it. They've yeah. got the prize winning turkey already, and Ray, we see it through Ray Croc's eyes as he attends, and he's like, you know, this system of p- people at workstations, and you know, you're only, you know, it's like when you, UPS only turn left so they don't have to stop at traffic lights. It's it's a well oiled machine that they've that they've got sussed out. I wanted to see that. What I didn't, and this is, I suppose this is my own fault. I didn't realise what the movie was going to show us and I'm surprised McDonald's greenlit this movie is that actually it was a dickish move stealing yeah. it. There were scenes where he's talking about like the milkshake and he's like, yeah, if we take out actual the yeah. organic ingredients and we'll put, put powder, powder in it, there, yeah. we'll, we'll double our profits. And I'm like, and hey, McDonald's want you to see this shit? <laughs> like, They make a big point at
1: the end of saying they've removed
0: yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. removed the powder. Um, but I, it left a bad taste in my mouth So of know, those like, scenes like my yeah well I, I don't eat I haven't eaten no, in years but that's the point
1: uh, no it's, I, I really liked it and do you know what I really like the end where the ending is like there's this really honest scene in a toilet where Nick Hoffman just says you know by this stage Lynch is in a coma caused by the stress fuck it I'm spoiling this film uh, they're in a the toilet and Nick Hoffman's like well we, we were so honest with you on your first day we showed you how it worked you could have basically stole your idea, and and the massive arsehole that Keaton is—he just was like, "I wanted the name," mm. and he's he's brilliant. It's like no one will ever shot eat somewhere called Crocs. It sounds yeah. like like a Polish diner. It was like I just wanted McDonald's. And do you know what? I I really liked this film. I really yeah. liked hating Michael Keaton's character. I loved the sliminess, the fact he doesn't hide it. I think Michael Keaton was on a career high. I think this was brilliant.
0: This was good. Yeah, yeah. He did actually really well in it, and I, I I didn't dislike the film. I think it's a perfectly good movie, enjoyable movie, informative movie. You
1: just do think
0: it's the I, best. I, no, I just didn't think it was going to show that story. I thought uh, it was going to be this like, you know, uh, propaganda machine for McDonald's and how brilliant it is and how wholesome it is. I think and maybe that's
1: why I, did, I liked it. Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> it's the
0: middle finger to the corporate uh, fast food industries. But I, uh, there is an aesthetic to movies that I love. I talk about this quite a lot about things like circus big tops. I hate, I don't know animals in circuses, but, but certainly the circus aspects. Yeah. There is something about the... 50s 60s diner oh it's you know and the scenes where he rocks up and you know you've got the waitress or the the waiter on rollerblades bringing the food to the side we we didn't we don't have that here in england and i imagine that was a real amazing time to be in you know the um hanging out at the burger shack you know the neon lights at night time the car parks full of people there's that that i really romanticized about it and was like that's that's cool I, do you know what I'm talking about? I did I did like The Founder. I did. I watched I watched it about a year ago, I think, on Amazon.
1: It is on Amazon. That's where I saw it. I was, I was on Amazon kick. I really enjoyed this film. Yeah,
0: yeah. It is actually, yeah, it is a well, well-worthy movie, actually. It, it, do you know what? It's, it, it kind of, weirdly, I would put this in like the um, Adam McKay kind of filmmaking of yes. films like Vice and um, those, no, I, you know, those kind that, of yeah. films. It's, it, it, because it's got that stellar ensemble cast giving you career um. Uh, highlights and, and performances. But it's also got this, like you say, snappy um, way of talking you through that narrative. Do
1: you know what this is a comparison. I was trying to word it and I, I the film shot like fast food. Like mm. there's very little time to, there's no nourishment. It's next bit, next bit. It's quick. It's snappy. The bits that you slow down for are the bits where um, the brothers are talking, talking you through the, but, but as a standout scene, when they're trying to organize the most efficient kitchen, that's brilliant because I would have I genuinely liked to work there. Everything's like to the second.
0: Oh, it's right. great advertisement for the, for the product because yeah. I was like, even as a vegetarian, I was like, that burger looks good. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, nice, nice. I'm glad you brought that to the table. Actually. I, that is a movie I will watch again at some point. Good. Um, yeah, and Michael Keaton is fucking stellar, isn't he? he is stellar. I even, I just, talking about Gary Oldman chewing scenery, like when he's chewing scenery in Dumbo, like Michael Keaton, I'm like, fill up, Michael, fill up. <laughs> you Just it. get, get you've, a bib out and go. You've earned this. <laughs> yeah. You've earned the feed. Yeah, he's like one of the actors Is like, it's completely fine, Michael. Yeah. Um, all right, so we are coming up to maybe the last of our big four new releases. Oh, mate. Um, and this is Promising Young Woman then, which is out now on Sky Cinema. Uh, it's an hour 53 long. We said at the top of this show, when we were talking about Land. It was directed by um, Emerald Fennell, who was... Uh, who also wrote the movie at the screenplay and was also up for nominations at the awards ceremonies. Um, stars Carrie Mulligan, um, Laverne Cox, Bo Berman, Clancy Brown, Mate. Alison Brie. Oh, I fucking love the
1: Kirgan to be your
0: dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's right before, right, before we even talk about the movie, I saw the poster for this and an iconic shot from the movie, which happens towards the end and uh, saw all the kind of reactions, critics' reactions way before knowing what it was or or obviously watching the movie. And it was one of them films that kind of came out and the initial feed was it's a bold, provocative, original spin on a revenge thriller. And I w- it kind of made me interested from the day, day one, you know, this, this mm. idea that everyone was unanimous, that it was this kind of original spin on something that we might have seen previously. Um, so I was like excited and nervous before going into it, and I certainly think I had the wrong impression of what this movie was before seeing it. I'm with you. So uh, how
1: I got sold this, how, not how I got sold the story. My own thoughts, to be honest, how I thought the film was going to develop was completely different than de- the film I saw. Yeah,
0: I thought it was going to, you know, when you when you hear things about revenge and you hear the context, which we'll talk about shortly. I. think t- I,
1: Sorry, I was going to use the example of hard candy.
0: Bang on, bang on, hard candy. Exactly that. I thought it was going to be, um, you know, a kind of bloody revenge story with elements of things like torture and that kind of thing. And so wrong that this just felt so much um, smarter, better, and ultimately more impactful because it didn't go down that route. And actually what we got, I think, was an outstanding film.
1: Mm -hmm explain yourself.
0: So if anyone hasn't seen it, Carrie Mulligan plays Cassie, who's this smart, calculated, methodical woman, um, who's, um, tormented by grief and pain from her past, now leading a double life. Um, um, she's a, uh, coffee barrister isn't she yeah so oh by day by day she's lives <laughs> with her parents she's got this kind of like suburban upbringing Underachiever. Um, but at night she's avenging those that may have caused her wrongdoings uh previously so at night she preys on those willing to take her as a victim um whilst targeting those that may be connected in a tragedy so i'm gonna stop there in terms of storylines this is a new release so i might not have seen it first impressions like I say i i thought i knew what this film was going to be it, it was going to be i thought it was going to be a kind of graphic violent um revenge kind of film and this felt just so much smarter so obviously influenced by real life um topics at the moment things like the the uh, me too narrative that which is clear throughout um all of this film i really liked what emerald Finel, who if you ever hear a speech is so posh it's brilliant like when she did her awards mm. speeches um if we start with the style before we go into the, the, the context of what the movie is about, the, the style of this film it is so crazy and kaleidoscopic. Of, it's, oh, so mate, it, what a beautiful description. Thank you very much. It It's that revenge thriller meets romance comedy with horror throughout the whole oh, thing.
1: It's, it's a chalk and cheese and it's like flipping a coin. Yeah. It's like one scene will be like a beautiful romance and the next scene will be like a dingy nightclub yeah. taut with tench.
0: But all the way through it has this bubblegum pop feel yes. to it and it's one of the movies that when someone types in a phone you see the text message bubble pop up you know and it's one of the films that doesn't have the license to use facebook so it has a very very similar you know like book face or something like that I fucking love book face, but it's, it's one of those but what i thought was uh it didn't feel clumsy it didn't feel um like stitched together all these different themes, it I, I it felt like a director who knew what they wanted to show an audience and and stuck to them convictions, and I think it paid off really well. I think the horror side of it, because I do think this was a you know redundant of things like blood and violence, and you know a lot of this is implied. I do I do think I do think narratively this is more a horror than than any of them other genres in in what the context is. I'm going to stop there for a moment see what you think. I don't want to, I was going to say, dominate if, this conversation. If you
1: have to follow the narrative, how it starts and how it ends, the moves, yes. Mm. You, you have to. It can't play off as something else because uh, at the critical points of the storyline, that's dropped.
0: Yeah, so I, I so just look at my notes, so I thought here that it was going to, like I said, as I said this crazed heroine kind of character who's at their last end of praying men and all these men were going to be hyped up jocks and they were going to be, you know, the caricatures of monsters, but what it actually does is shows the audience the real, you know, the, these, these are the nine to five workers. Do you want? These are the guys that, you know, that are, seem honest, genuine, decent people, but they look to take advantage and to prey on those. that, And all of a sudden- that moves this film into an actually scarier because it's not a serial killer with a mask. It's not, you know, the undead or anything like that. This is fucking the person you probably sat next to in a bar um, or have been sat next to. Um, and I think now when we look at, you know, what's coming out of the me too movement and we hear some of them shocking figures about people that have been victim to characters like this and, and, you know, or, you know, men like this, um, all of a sudden it started to feel a lot more real. I had a real, real, horrible feeling in my stomach throughout this whole movie and it wasn't because of blood violence and gore it was because of the realism of those characters
1: I do what there's a perfect that's perfectly said well put and there's another point I wanted to make here and I I think the casting director here has done a phenomenal job because I'm going to say these names Um, Mm. Alison Brie um, Adam Brody Christopher Mintz-Plasse McLovin uh, uh, McLovin and uh, I was going to say Molly Shannon but it's not it's uh, Connie Connie britton Right. those are four actors that I've just said there Adam Brody is famous for being the nice guy, like the nerd, mm. the one who won't do anything wrong. The one who's too shy to talk to girls. McLovin, perfectly non-threatening character. Alison Brie's more famous role is, you know, from like Community, where mm. she is, where she is um, overly nice. You know, the good girl. And uh, Connie uh, Britton, other than if you take away, I don't know what she's like in the horror series. I, I've never seen that.
0: Oh, uh, in American Horror.
1: But all her other roles, she's like a very motherly figure. Mm. In this the caster uh, the casting director has picked them purposely because you as an audience member will think they're not a threat or mm. they'll do the right thing or or for the characters Actors that I mentioned play characters that have done something wrong that you wouldn't expect them to, yeah. and I think that's the casting and the director together getting together and going, we need to cast people who you who you wouldn't think would ever do this. Like when you first see Adam Brody, he is the nice guy, yeah, and it turns out that he may be not so nice,
0: opportunistic,
1: opportunistic. actually, yeah. But he is he's Mister he's Hollywood's nice guy. I believe that's why he's picked in Shazam because they'd be like, let's pick the ultimate hero from the uh, the nerd from the silver screen, Adam Brody from like the OC and all of his other shows. It's like a nerd. Like the probably the nerd in America, and it was like, oh, pick him because no one will see where that goes. Exactly the same as we're loving it, and Alison Brie playing basically a bitch, mm. <laughs> uh, and uh, Connie Britton. Uh, Connie Britton's a fantastic choice because as the mother, you would think she'd do the right thing. Turns out she's not. I just thought the casting was phenomenal in this, and the the main actress, Kerry uh, Mulligan. She's in Blink, which is my favorite new Who episode ever. <laughs> But she's great in it, so she's a fantastic uh, actor that I didn't know. Saw her in Blink, saw in this. I was like, well, where have you been in between?
0: Well, she was in Drive. Don't remember. Yeah, she's the love interest of Ryan Gosling. In that yeah. she's in the new one with uh, Ray Fiennes, Dig. It's on Netflix now. Oh, Okay. Well, yeah. But,
1: um, so I'm looking forward to what
0: I'm looking forward to. Dig then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what you're. That's what you're but in, she's a, but she's turned into uh,
1: she's turned into something great, and i loved this film. I thought this film was great. You've even got Laverne Cox, who uh, is great as like the best friend in the coffee shop, sassy, urbane. Doesn't you know? Funny, mm. uh, isn't it? Just enough to make you want them more. Mm. And uh, the like the rom com side of things. I need to get that actor's name. Sorry. Yeah, so Bo yeah. Who he's very good as the non threatening nice guy. But at the same time, because of what you've just seen, you're like, is anyone nice?
0: Yeah, yeah. And that that's yeah. Without giving anything away, there's there, there are mo- there's again there's that feeling you sort of, you know where it's going and you just don't want it to. And when it does, you are like yeah.
1: I wish it hadn't.
0: I um, what I really liked about this as well is it's so much. Um, more mature than just being a, and I use the term, you know, I, you, but it's not like a man hating movie. It's not, it's not about depicting all men as these monsters. It's just depicting the monsters as monsters. And, and I, and I, because what it ultimately does is it shows you, it's not about, it's not about a woman going and seeking revenge in this certain way. What it is, is it show what, what the the beauty of the movie is, is it takes you through what it takes for that person to do the things that she's doing. And that is completely different. If it was more linear and it was, you're following the narrative of someone just going out and taking revenge on people that have done a wrongdoing in their past. That's, that's a movie we've seen. What this does is it focuses on what it takes out of that person to do what they are doing. And that makes it a hell of a lot more interesting and more complicated and and I think Karen Mulligan really pulls that off. Yeah. And, I completely and, agree. And I think when I settled, settled into that, and there's certain things about that, there's, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there are scenes, you know, where she wants to give up that second life, and but she gets pulled back into it. And you see, you know, the effect that that has on her still living at home, not being able to settle in a relationship. Can't kiss, can't, can't go. Yeah, doesn't a, want to really yeah, go out. And all of a sudden, then you, you, you when you start seeing that, I like, say it's, it's about what drives a person. You have
1: got, got the Kurgan buying her luggage. It's like a yeah, big soul hint. <laughs> you birthday! your birthday!
0: Massive suitcase. Yeah, yeah try, try it out. <laughs> you know, um, it also had this really bizarre blend of fantasy meets realism as well. And what I mean by that is, is that you know because of the bubble gum color palette of this movie and the elements of comedy and, and, and romance that plays out. There's there's a romance movie in this that has three acts as, uh, as well as a, you know, horrendous revenge storyline that has three acts intertwined and spliced together really well. But the fantasy element of it is like in movies, you know, you take out the lower runs first, then you go for the top person at the end. And it has that hierarchical revenge narrative, um, and each element of that revenge story does play out a little bit more fantasy-like, and and by the end, I, and reading some of the reviews of the people that are divided by this, a lot of people say it's the third act or it's particularly the end that takes them out of the film. I can kind of see that. I can, but I was bought in, and I was actually like, no, actually, that's I think that's a real good argument.
1: But I'm on your side because I believe the argument you're you're making, the side you fallen on, is exactly the same. Size of me is I went in expecting something, and because mm. it was different, then they got to play around with their third act. Because it's not a film I thought I was going to say anyway. Yeah. They, they've made a film that no one thought they were going to see, therefore they get to experiment with their with their storyline. Mm. I'm, I'm with you. I, I I did when I watched it. I was like, oh, I don't really like this, but at the same time, it was probably a better ending than what was going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I, I and I think it's the,
1: really hard to talk about what you like about this film and not spoil it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I another description of this movie is this movie was fucking razor sharp, like what I mean by that is like, it was I to an inch, it was methodically kind of put together, you know, and I think there's no accidents on the screen that they say, you know, but then again, I've seen an Adam Sandler movie, but <laughs> it, it, you know, that, that whole, the whole piece for its whole, whole runtime, I was like, that was just, it nailed it. You know, and, and whether you like it, don't like it, you can't deny it, It's a good film. It's a very, very good film. Very well made, very contemporary, very relevant. Um, I think shocking, but it has to be a game cuz that adds to the the element of these you know the the villains in this piece being monsters real monsters real people. Um I thought it's terrific. I'm not going to rush to rewatch it, but I would encourage you know filmgoers cinephiles if you haven't already seen it which you probably have if you listen to a film podcast. But if you haven't fucking promising young woman should be top of your list I reckon. Yeah, Land is great, but this this, this it, Nomad Land I loved and it, it you know but this, I thought, was especially brilliant.
1: But this this film, it makes you feel uncomfortable even, you know, when you haven't done these things. You just think, this thing, these ha- this happens. And you just think, fuck.
0: Because this. we all know the, uh, the what's his name, Adam Brody character. Yeah. You know, we all know, you know, the nice guy. And, you know, when he leaves the bar, you don't know what happens next.
1: You just assume that he's a nice guy because he's your friend or, yeah. he's, or, is it, or he looks nice or you've heard he's a good guy from someone. Or Are
0: because you, to your face, he's telling you, no, yeah. you know, because he's the one who's, who's the good guy in those scenes, you know, and obviously, but... Jesus.
1: Yeah. I, I'd vote this film. I thought it was brilliant.
0: I'd vote this film. Yeah. yeah. It is iconic as well. There are there are certain scenes that, I, that when you watch a movie, you're like, that will go, that image, that still, and it already has in some ways, but there's a scene towards the end where she's dressed as a nurse with the colourful hair. Yeah. That scene of her kind of taking instruments out of the bag, um, that shot of her at the end of the bed, I think it will be iconic in pop culture for years to come. Yeah. I think that's such a striking, you know, like people be like, what's that, what's that film? You know?
1: Yeah. Movie, um, we'll make The movie may boost them Ooh.
0: I Yeah. Fuck it. What a film. What, what? a film. What a film. What, what, what a list of movies this week, you know, to to kind of go through. Did you have any others that you wanted to touch I, on? I
1: did have one more mm. and it's very divisive. I actually don't know how I fall upon this. You haven't seen this film. I guess maybe this is for the listeners then. How do you know I haven't seen it? Because I think you would have had, you would have spoken about this film. Yeah. So, we're talking about uncomfortable films now. This film, I I both really really liked and really really hated, often at the same time. Uh, it came out twenty twenty. It's on Amazon Prime. It's listed as a black comedy. It stars Rosemond Pike and Peter Dinklage, and it's called "I Care a Lot." Rosemond Pike plays a uh, plays a legal definition of a person who who takes over elderly people can't look after themselves. She takes over their estates and basically she bleeds them dry. Is Pete Dinklage in this? Pete Dinklage is in this. So first of all, I've got a massive problem with this film is that it's... it's it, well,
0: The context of it is disgusting. Well, the
1: context is real, but I don't think... This is where I struggle. I don't think it's a big enough problem for you to make a film about it mm. that's a kind of a comedy.
0: I thought this was a TV series.
1: No. I didn't realise it was a film. It was a film. Um, so basically... um. She does this to a load of people. He opens up in a courtroom. She's uh, She sold all the assets off for this, uh, what do they call them, ward of hers, this elderly lady. And basically she uses them bleed, them, bleed them dry. But she's making the point to the judge that I have to be there. She can't look after herself. And the son has been barred from seeing her by Rosemary Pike. It's like, it's not good for her mental health. She doesn't know who you are. And it's, it's heartbreaking straight away. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Then Rose and Pike basically, as soon as they're out of the courtroom, she's one, she turns, she's no longer playing nice. She's basically like, I beat you. Does it hurt more that I'm a woman, that I have a vagina? And she's like, she's sticking it to him. And you're like, he's like, I hope you die. And he's like, fuck you. And then she goes to meeting. Uh, She's got a lover with her who helps her. So uh, the lover will like, well, when she's not been like a secretary, she's also helping her like clean, clean the houses, selling them so they can get money. They go, there's an old person, a director, a gentleman, He's there, and they go see a doctor, and she's like, "Oh, have you got any? Have you got any upcoming patients that we can bleed right?" It's horrible. These four people just talking about how they can take advantage of people, and I'm raging as a viewer because I know this happens, but I don't think it's a well-known enough thing to happen that you can take take the piss out of it. So mm. I'm fucking raging at this film, and basically, um, it's not Michael this time. So uh, I'm gonna go back to um, Dying Wiest <laughs> from the Lost Boys episode. Mm. She's the next victim. So they move in, and in the space of two days, uh, Rosamund Pike is the ward, and uh, Diane West is in a, a room, a home, and they're selling off aspects. And then randomly, a guy comes to the house one day and is like, "Oh, is Marion?"
0: And they say, "Does she still have the super soft, sweet voice?" She does have the super mm-hmm. soft. For now,
1: she she so she says, "Oh, um, is Marion?" And she's like, "No, Mary's moved house." It's like, "Who sent you?" are like, mm, "I can't tell you." Then he goes to meet Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is Diane West's son and also happens to be head of the Russian mafia.
0: <laughs> All right, that, that took a turn.
1: But then the film is quite long; it's like 145 minutes, and it's it's, like, it's trying to one up each other. So obviously, he sends men in to try and get her out there, out, uh, trying to get out of the home. Rosen Pike basically manipulates the situation to get her put further in the system, so even a son can't see, and no one can get her. So she kind of holds this woman hostage from her son. But I've got this massive, I've got this massive gap. The film takes on very serious subject matter that has, should be shown. It's a terrible thing that happens; it's happening right now. It's not play. It says it's my comedy. I didn't think it was played for laughs. But the problem is I don't know whose side I'm on. Mm. I'm not on Roseman Pike's side. So I'm not on the horrible, the horrible person who's stealing people's lives. But I'm not on Peter Dinklage, the criminal side. Which side am I supposed to be on? Because it does flitter between the two. There's no hero.
0: The lesser of two evils.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, they're both big evils. (laughs) It's a really hard story to. No, it's actually not that difficult story. That's the story, without spoiling how it goes. But I don't know where I stand on it. The film infuriated me. Like, like, Roseman Pike is such, so good in this film. Did, did you watch uh, Gone Girl? Yeah, I loved did it. Did you really hate, did you really hate it? The well, way I- She
0: manipulates the situation. I read the book, so I knew that character oh, before. About.
1: Did she do a good job? Do you, you're supposed to hate her, aren't you?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And Just the book, the book was- Even worse. Well, no, the- Whereas we talk about films being in like three acts, the yeah. book, I think like literally the middle page, the story spins on its ass oh, right. and then you get the other side of it. Oh, and okay. I thought the film did that very, very well at the same point.
1: But you hate Amy and Gone Girl, don't you?
0: Yeah. 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 You, 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 we, Pike
1: does a very good job of making you hate her. Yeah. Times infinity, mate. Times by about hundred. She is one of the most unlikable people in cinema history. But, but in the third act, I'm supposed to be on her side it was a film that drained me. Do you know what? The reason why I had to stop watching it is this film. I stopped this film three times because I got so angry with it. What kept me going was I wanted to see where it went. You know, the is held together by, do people get their comeuppance? What happens? Do they get away with it? What happens to all the other people in the home? The ending, the ending killed me. It drained me. After it was finished, I think I was like, right, I'm done. I'm going to bed at like four in the afternoon because it emotionally killed me. acted brilliantly because Rosamund Pike has fucking nailed this film because I've never hated a character so much. She's phenomenal.
0: Like, like she's so good at being hated. When you think of her filmography, there's a lot of hate. (laughs) There there is though, isn't it? Like when you think of like, you know, going right back, Doom. Yeah. But before that, Die Another Day.
1: Yeah. And she's the villain, so you are actually supposed to hate her. (laughs) Not because she's in a shit film.
0: But yeah, but then Fracture, which I love that movie. That's one of them films I always tell people to watch. Um, but um, I, I've I've got to say that sorry, John English, Wrath of the Titans, Jack Reacher film. She was in the yeah. World's End, obviously. Yeah, there's a love of interest in that. Um, but uh, but I really hated
1: Rosemary Pike in this film. But you're supposed to. And yeah. I'm not just having to go <laughs> watch it. I'm really interested in to to hear what you think. I care a lot on Amazon. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry. It was a. It was. It was. It was something different.
0: I'm going to watch that next film because I thought it was a TV series, and I wasn't ready to invest in a TV series because I've just started Titans.
1: I hated parts of it. I really detested parts of it. I really liked parts of What's it. What's
0: the Dinklage like?
1: The Dinklage is calm, and I felt like he could have gone over. He could have overacted a bit, and it would have gone quite mm. well into it. Because mm. Rosamund Pike is uh, a, a her character is calculating, cool, doesn't take doesn't take on research risks. Like she knows what she's doing. She's built these. She's been like stealing money from these, from her wards for, for, for years. Mm. What would have been good to the cool calculated person? And this is where we have got a problem with the story is if I asked Peter Dinklage's character and someone essentially had my mom, I was like, everyone would be losing feet, like mm. everyone would be dead. Everyone would be dead, <laughs> you know? It, and then it would be a different story, but the story they tell is kind of, he's quite slow, methodical as well. So the two characters are quite side by side. There's no like yin and yang. They're mm. both quite calm and calculated and that it, it just, there was a disconnect because if that was my mom, well, You're to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but watch it, please, because it was one of the most divisive films I've ever seen. What was that film that I've, you, someone made me watch once where he builds a house out of body parts?
0: Uh, house of Jabbu. House
1: of Jabba And I couldn't decide if that was a masterpiece or not. If this film, I can't decide if I love it or I hate it. I, well, I can genuinely... tell you
0: right now, House of Jabbu is not a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, but we were talking about that on the episode. We were like, I think it, 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 it is. No, because I believe my argument was it might be a masterpiece. I don't understand it. <laughs> Whereas this film, I don't know if I loved it or I hated mm. it. Um, so I care a lot. I'm really interested to hear what you think. I, I I don't know. I just spoke for like 20 minutes. Like my, my, my ending remark is, I know. what do you think?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that, that's our show. I think we're out of movies. I think that's been a tour de force of, of good, middle and avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not our usual bantery self. We've kind of put that on the back burner because I think every now and again, Look we'll at all these moves out, mate. You've <laughs> got to get them out. You've got you know, because how can you be a fun podcast if you haven't done Nomadland, the Oscar winner, and, and Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, you know, but um, I, I think it's been informative. I think mm. there's definitely been some recommendations there, you know, for people to go out and, and hunt everything from the founder to Nomadland's Promising Young Woman, you know, even even without remorse, if that tickles your pickle. But um, I think every now and again, it's good to get one of these off your chest because I think to me, a podcast like this, every every kind of one in four makes me think, highbrow kind of film talk mm. you know I get to actually talk film not talk about like which bald villain I prefer and which guy with a beard do I prefer
1: but the, the reason we've done that this week is because next week we're going to be gushing over one of our favourite filmmakers and we, there's going to be a lot of time where we're just going oh, kind of we're going to be nerding out bring something a mop. rotten bring a mop bring a mop for John Carpenter
0: yeah we'll do that next week so that's our show for this week if you did like this one don't forget to like subscribe you get a new episode every single week um, if I don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night
1: I should go.